And all of us face mountains in life. Mountains in our circumstances. Mountains in our walk in a Christian faith as we want to move forward with God. We face obstacles. We face things that are hindering our progress. But the mistake many of us make is this. We talk about our mountain. Jesus didn't say, if you have faith, talk about your mountain. He said, if you have faith, talk to the mountain. So we go and come to God about our mountain. We complain to everybody else about the mountain. But Jesus said, if you have faith, don't do that. If you have faith, speak to the mountain. Amen? So tell your neighbor, speak to the mountain. What do you speak to it? Tell it, tell it, tell the mountain to move. Amen? I know, you know, somebody say, well, how long do I keep speaking to the mountain? The answer is pretty obvious, till it moves. Amen? You know, nobody goes to, you know, begins to make a tunnel through a mountain, puts one dynamite, boom, and then says, well, it's not working. No, you, you probably have to, you know, blast a hundred dynamites to make a tunnel through the mountain. And we're not talking about making tunnels through the mountain, we're talking about moving mountains. And you can do it with your faith, but you've got to learn to speak your faith. Have faith in God, but learn to speak it. Amen? Tell your neighbor, speak your faith. So let's stand up, hold our Bibles high up, let's speak our faith this morning. Say it like you mean it, say it because you believe it, say it. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shake hands with a few people. Give them a high five. You may be seated. Next Sunday, we're going to be starting a very important series of studies together. We're going to be studying together on fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Fulfilling God's purpose for your life. We're going to talk about the fact that God has a specific plan and purpose for each one of us. We're going to talk about nine ways to recognize God's purpose for your life. We're going to talk about preparation. We're going to talk about how God takes us to fulfill that purpose. And we're going to talk about finishing the course. We're going to spend maybe about six to eight weeks on studying together on this. So I, don't, I want to encourage you not to miss this. We will also have a publication ready for you next Sunday that covers this entire teaching. So please don't miss that entire series of teaching, fulfilling God's purpose for your life. This morning I have a message for you which I, I suspect you may not have heard before in your life. It's called, How to Help Your Pastor. <laughs> so this morning, <laughs> all right, <laughs> this morning we're going to learn together how to help your pastor. Amen. Now I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I want you to understand the motivation of my heart. This message is nothing personal against anybody in this congregation. Amen? If I have something personal against you, I would like to come and talk to you personally. I don't need to do it from the pulpit. Amen? So understand my heart. I'm not here, you know, well, let me see. Let me get back to him this morning. <laughs> That's not my motivation. That's not my intent. And... You know, as a pastor, I desire, I, my desire, and I believe it's a desire of all of us as, uh, on our church staff, is to have a strong church. Everybody say strong church. Oh, now, we want to have a strong church. And to have a strong church, you have to have strong people. Everybody say strong people. So that's what we're doing. We are here to build strong people. And... You know, when you're raising up children, those of us who are parents know that, you know, many times you shower them with love, but sometimes you bring up the spanker. Everybody says spanker. <laughs> you use the spanker not because you hate your kids. You use it because you want to raise up a strong person. So uh, understand that this morning, the reason I'm sharing this with you 
uh, with all of us is simply this, because we want to raise up strong people. We want to raise up people who know what they're supposed to do in the house of God. Let's turn the, turn the Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 Timothy 3, 15. I made a mistake when I sent the outline. I said verse 16, so I'm not sure what's on the outline here. But it's 1 Timothy 3, 15. Very good. 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I am planning to come to you, but I think, you know, the post postal system is faster than the, than the ship system, whatever. So I'm sending you this letter to reach you ahead of time. And I'm doing my, my intention is this. I want to teach you how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now, I want to teach you how you should behave, behave in the church, in the local church. Amen? So God's people need to be taught how to behave. How to conduct themselves in the house of God. You know, unfortunately, there's not much teaching on that nowadays. So what happens? Everybody does what they think is right. Everybody does whatever comes to their mind. And we have people pulling in a thousand different directions and the church goes nowhere. But if we all can pull in the same direction, I believe we're going to go somewhere. Amen? So that's the point here. We, well, that's one of the things we're trying to accomplish this morning is to teach us how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. How that we should we behave as people, part of the church. Tell me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He's writing to believers there. And he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, or by the authority of Jesus. So what he's bringing here is not a request. It's not a suggestion. It's a pleading. It's an urging that's coming by the authority of the Lord himself. What does he plead to the local church? He says that you all speak the same thing. That you all... Speak the same thing. Now, nowadays we think, boy, this is next to impossible to have in any local church. That you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. There are five things that the Lord commands through the Apostle Paul for the local church. He says, first, I want all of you to say the same thing. Speak the same thing. No, not one person saying we can speak in tongues. Another person saying we can't speak in tongues. And somehow these Christians are confused. No, no, no. You all speak the same thing. You, that there be no divisions. There be no splits, no gaps among you. You're all on the same side of the line. Now, those of you who watch Madagascar, the movie, we tend, to get to watch, we tend to get to watch it a lot because the kids like it. You know, when these animals, I don't know all their names, forget all their names, they all land up at Madagascar and, uh, what's his name, Lion? Mr. Huh? Alex, and what's the giraffe? Melvin, okay. So Alex tells Melvin, Melvin, that's your side of the island and this is my side of the island and he draws a line in the sand and he says, you know, that's the bad side of the island. This is the fun side of the islands. You know, we don't need any Alexis and Melvins in our church. Amen? We don't draw any lines. We're all on the same side of the islands. The Bible says, we're all, that there be no divisions among you, no splits, no gaps. That you be perfectly joined together. That means you're all in complete agreement. That you be all be of the same mind, the same understanding. Not one saying, I understand this, another saying, I understand. No, 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 no. We're all supposed to be of the same understanding. And that you all be the same judgment, the same resolve, the same purpose, the same opinion. 
Now, when you think about the Corinthian church, it was typical of like, like any one of our churches. I mean, there are lots of things wrong. There were some people who said, I belong to Apollos. Others said, I belong to Paul. There were those who said, you know, uh, uh, had all these arguments about marriage, whether you can eat things offered to idols, things not offered to idols. They had all these things about speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. Lots of things that are going on. There are people who come, someone who committed um, immorality in the church. And to top it all, can you imagine the Corinthians? They came Sunday morning to have their breakfast at the Lord's table. Imagine that. The kind of people there. You know, they didn't eat a small piece of bread. They hit the whole loaf. They didn't drink a small cup of wine. They wanted a full gallon. And Paul had to write to them very specifically, please eat your meal at home before you come to the Lord's table. I mean, it's there in, in 1 Corinthians 11. And to such a confused people, he writes and says, look, the Lord Jesus is commanding you. That you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. That you are all of the same mind, the same resolve, the same purpose, the same opinion. That you're all in complete agreement and that you all have the same understanding. Amen? I believe that if the Lord commands, it's a possibility. Amen? Because the Lord would not command us to do something that we are unable to do. That would be teasing. So anything the Lord commands is a possibility. It is possible for us to be this kind of church. Amen. And that's what we want to be. We want to become that kind of church. Now I want you, before we get into these things on how to help your pastor, I want to share a few things so that you understand our objective. What is my objective as a pastor? What is the objective of all our church stuff? What is our objective? Why do we do this? We're not doing this because we don't have anything better to do in life. But we have a very specific objective. We are getting, trying to get somewhere. Turn with me to some scriptures, Jeremiah 3.15. Jeremiah 3.15. I'm going to go a little fast because the first service we had a little experience, went on to about an hour and ten minutes, so just tell a neighbor, you're not going to get it early. Jeremiah 3 and verse 15. He says here, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Our desire is to be shepherds after God's own heart. And what do we do to be God's shepherds after God's own heart? We have to feed His people with knowledge and understanding. So that's our objective. One of our objectives is to feed you with knowledge. Is to feed you with understanding. Spiritual knowledge, not the morning news. Amen? Is to feed you with the knowledge of His Word. Is to give you the understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. That is our objective. We want to be pastors of a God's own heart. And to do that, we have to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. This gives us our job description as ministers of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, 12 and 13. Paul writes, he says in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and 13, he says, And he, that is Christ himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So Christ appointed people, some to be pastors, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Why did he do this? Read very carefully, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of of the ministry. Here's news for you. The pastor is not to do the work of the ministry. You have to do the work of the ministry. Amen? Tell a neighbor, you do it. You know, the Bible says the role of the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the apostle, the prophet is to equip God's people, is to equip saints, meaning Put in your hands what you need to get the job done. But you are the ones who are going to do the job. Amen? Tell a neighbor, you are a minister. See, the person sitting next to you is the one who's going to do the work of the ministry. You have to do the work of the ministry. 
Not the pastor, not the teacher, not the apostle, not the prophet, not the evangelist. The role of the fivefold office of ministries is to equip the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. Amen? See, my job is very easy. It's just to equip you. But you're the one to do the job. You are not a church member. You're a minister. Amen? If you've got a church member mentality, please leave it outside the door. You are a minister of Almighty God. And you're here to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And that's, the, that's what we're working towards. To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ, it continues in verse 12. For the, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That is, we're all supposed to reach a perfect man. The Greek is teleos, a full-grown man. So we are working towards this. These are our objectives as pastor and church staff. This is what we want to accomplish. One more scripture, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 1, 28. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1 and verse 28. Colossians 1, verse 28. Marshall, what did I say? 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. It's Colossians chapter 1. Verse 28. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? That we may present every man perfect. Everybody say perfect. Say it strong. Perfect. Perfect in Christ Jesus. Why do we preach? Why do we warn? Why do we teach? Not to entertain you, but to present you perfect, complete. The Greek is fully grown. To present you mature, fully grown in Christ Jesus. That's why we are doing this. We want to see every person grow up in Christ. Amen? We welcome babies, but we don't let them remain babies. We, our responsibility is to present every person mature in Christ. If we fail to do that, we are failing in our call as pastors and leaders and whatever, whatever else we're called to do. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. So, there are four things we desire to accomplish before we read Galatians 4.10. There are four things we desire to accomplish in each of us. We want to see every person in the church become strong in the words. We want to see every person become strong in the spirit. We want to see every person develop Christ-like character. And we want to see every person be equipped for ministry. Four things. And that defines or describes everything we're trying to accomplish. We want to see every person strong in the Word. We want to see every person strong in the Holy Spirit. We want to see every person grow in Christ-likeness and Christ-like character. And we want to see every person be equipped for ministry. That's our objective. That's all we're working for. Amen. Now Galatians 1.10. Understand the standard we are called to as pastors and ministers of God. In Galatians 1.10, Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. If I pleased men, I cannot be a servant of so i got news for you. We are not here to make anyone happy. Except God. Amen? We are not here to please any one of you. So if you come to church to be made happy, you've come to the wrong place. Amen? Because if we pleased men, we cannot be the servants of Christ. But, our objective is to build you up, not to please you. Now, in the process of building you up, you might get happy. That's just a byproduct. Amen? Making you happy is a byproduct. It's not our objective. 
Our objective is to present you complete in Christ. And as we do that, you might get happy. You might get excited about Jesus. You might begin to love your pastor. You might begin to love the people in the church. You'll be so happy. That's a byproduct. Our objective is not to get you to love us. Our objective is to build you up and present you mature in Christ. If we, the day we become man pleasers, we cease to become the servants of God. Amen? So now let's get in how to make your pastor happy. <laughs> how to help your pastor. How can you help your pastor? Now, I've titled this message, How to Help Your Pastor. But please understand, it's not just for me. But I'm speaking on behalf of all our church staff. All our pastors, our children's church pastor, youth pastors, cell leaders, everyone else. I'm speaking on behalf of everyone here who's serving you. Number one, how to help your pastor. Number one, help guard your pastor's testimony. Help guard your pastor's testimony. Tell me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to give you chapter and verse for almost every one of these. Because I want you to know I'm not talking from the top of my head. I'm talking from the word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 2. The Bible says, A bishop then must be blameless. A bishop, meaning a spiritual overseer, a spiritual leader, must be, say let me hear you, must be, a bishop must be blameless. And it continues with all the other requirements to be a man or a woman of God. In that chapter, it's also repeated in, in Titus chapter 1. But I just want to highlight that one thing. A bishop must be blameless. A spiritual leader, one of his primary requirements, the number one requirement that God asks of a spiritual leader is that he must be blameless. Meaning, nobody should be able to point a finger at him and accuse him falsely. His testimony must be absolutely perfect. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things, we commend ourselves. As ministers of God. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. This is a standard that God has called me. And God has called all of us church staff pastors here. This is the standard God requires of us. That we must live a blameless life. That we must conduct our ministry in such a way. That we give no offense in anything that our ministry cannot be blamed. Amen. And we need your help. To do that. Proverbs 22 and verse 1 says. A good name. Is rather to be chosen. Than all the riches. Proverbs 22 verse 1. A good name having a blameless report. Is better than all the riches. So what does it mean? How can you help guard your pastor's testimony? How can you help guard the testimony. Of the ministers and men and women of God. Who are working alongside. Some examples. If you are a lady, please meet your pastor in his office when everyone else is present. Don't ask to meet your pastor at odd places and at odd times. Amen? Very simple. You may have a very genuine need, but don't call up and say, Pastor, Pastor, please come and meet me at the Taj. It may be a wonderful place, but I can tell you, I'm not coming. I mean, just imagine this. I may be an innocent pastor, come to counsel one of my church members. And I come and you're a lady, you sit there, I'm sitting here, we're sipping coffee, and I'm counseling you. And there comes somebody else and says, Woo, pastor of all people's church. He's married, he's got two kids. What's he doing with this lady? And let me see how long he's going to sit. And the counseling goes on for three hours. Woo, he's spending three hours with this lady. I can tell you, I am not coming. 
I don't care how serious your problem is. You may be on the verge of suicide. I'm not coming. You want counsel, please come and meet me in the office. Amen? Don't ask me to come and meet you somewhere in an odd place at all times. Because you are destroying the testimony of a man of God and of the church. If you're a lady, it's always better for you to get help from a lady minister in the church. Another way you can help maintain our testimony, don't say or claim something about the pastor of the church that you're not 100% sure of. If you're not 100% sure about what you're going to say, don't say it. You know, for example, oh, pastor came back from America. I am sure there's lots of money coming from there. That's why they're renting this such a nice auditorium. That's why they're doing all this. Thousands of dollars are coming. Let me tell you very honestly, 99% of our funds comes from right here in India. We do have a few people helping us in the ministry from the United States, friends that we have. But it's only on a rare occasion that we bring that money here. In fact, it's very difficult to bring, for us to bring that money in here. So we try to use it directly, whatever, from there. But 99% of our money comes from here. Through the tithes, the offerings that you give, through the contributions that come into the church. So don't go out there and say, oh, pastor came back from America. We do not have any church from any other part of the world supporting us. So don't go and say, oh, I'm sure there's some big church in America that's giving lots of money. You don't know for a fact. I've told you the facts. Amen? You just know it now. So don't go out there and, and you know, start saying things that you're not 100% sure of. And please do not exaggerate what the pastor or church is doing. Don't go out there and say, oh, all people just wonderful church. They have a big orphanage with many, they take care of many children. No, don't say that. That's exaggeration. What you do say is, all people just has, an has, a, has a children's home and they're taking care of eight children. In some minds, eight may be many, but in my mind, eight is not many. It's eight. Amen? So please don't go out there and exaggerate what your pastor is doing or what the church is doing because then somebody else is going to come and ask me. Oh, I heard. Oh, what did you hear? I heard that you're doing this wonderful thing in the offer, taking care of all the street children in Bangalore. I said, who told you that? Yeah, one of your church members. Really? And then I had to bring reality in. No, no, no. We have only eight kids. So please, do not exaggerate what your pastor or your church is doing. You've got to help us guard our testimony. Amen? Number two. Help guard your pastor's time. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, just to let you know what kinds of things happen. There was one lady who wanted to, her to drive a car from place A to place B. And she calls a, our member care ministry for chauffeur service. A member care pastor had to drive a lady's car from place A to place B. I mean, it's so embarrassing. He has to sit in a car with another lady to drive her around. I told him, don't do it anymore. If she wants, let her find another lady to drive her car. But this is how people get, how ridiculous people get. Member care ministry, shop for service. No, 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 no. Member care is to care for you. If you need a driver, please appoint somebody else. Amen? Very quiet in here. <laughs> Number two, help guard your pastor's time. I'm sharing your real examples. It's nothing personal against anyone, but let's get real. I mean, these are things we have to deal with. Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. So the Bible tells us to walk in a wise way, careful way. Redeeming the time. Capture every minute that you have and put it to good use. So time is at a premium. It's very important for all of us, member, all of us church staff. We try to make use of every minute we have. We don't want to waste it. All our church staff are required to work at least 40 hours a week. Nobody sits around wasting their time. 
Many of them work more than 40 hours a week. So time is, is very important for us. And you can help God. You can be a help to the pastor and to the church by helping guard our time. For example, if you want to meet the pastor, please meet him during normal office hours. Amen? I'm the office from 8.30 to very often 6.30, many, many days beyond that. Please come and meet me during normal office hours. So, Pastor, I want to meet you. I said, okay. What time do you want to come, Pastor? I want to meet you at 7.30 in the evening. Why? Because I get off work at 6 o'clock and I can come and meet you at 7.30. So I have to wait in my office till 7.30 to meet you. Now let me ask you a question. When you want to go meet a doctor, do you tell the doctor what time you want to meet him or do you get an appointment from him? He tells you what time you have to come. And if you need to take a day off to go meet him, you do it. Why can't you treat your pastor the same way? If you have a spiritual need... And it's serious enough for you to come and talk to the pastor. You can take your day off or take a half a day. Come and meet him during normal office hours. Because he has a family to go to. Amen? Well, some people don't even think about it. Pastor, I'll come at 7.30. Now on some occasion I have stayed. Stayed late. But I don't plan to do it often. Why? If you have a need, you come and meet me during normal office hours. I'm available 8.30 to 6.30, normal daylight hours. Amen. <laughs> Please come anytime. You're welcome to come and meet. But sometimes people become inconsiderate. They don't think pastor has a family to go back to. I can keep him waiting for me. If you have a problem, please come. We'll talk. But normal hours. Another thing. If you have an idea, don't ask your pastor to do it. I mean, we're always open to ideas. We're always open to suggestions. But if you have an idea about a ministry, you please do it. Amen? Oh, <laughs> you know, the point is this. You know, some people say, Pastor, oh, I believe you've got to start this ministry. Wonderful. So I say, yeah, tell me about it. Wonderful. And Pastor, you must do this, and you must do this. And actually, I don't have enough things to do already. So you got an idea. If you feel God's stirring you to do it, you go do it. Amen? Don't tell your pastor to do it. You know, and there are lots of other silly things that happen. We recently got an email from somebody. They're moving from someplace to Bangalore. And they said, dear pastor, can you please help me find a, 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 an accommodation very close to the church? And I need to send my things to Bangalore. So can you please get that place for me so I can send my things to Bangalore? And I was wondering, when did we get a real estate business? <laughs> when did we start doing this? We are here to serve people, but please, there are real estate agents to help you find accommodation in Bangalore. Amen? So I sent an email back. I said, you know, we, we rent an auditorium in the heart of the city where things are very expensive. You want to rent accommodation? So I strongly suggest that you, you know, contact some of your friends or contact a real estate agent to help you find an accommodation. But this is how ridiculous things can get. Or pastors run around, find you accommodation. You're coming from somewhere to Bangalore. Excuse me. We're not in the real estate business. Or, you know, book reviews. Pastor, please read this book and tell me. Now let me tell you. I do have at least 50 books I haven't read. I do have myself full of books. Many books that I haven't read already. Now you send me a book by email or come and give me a book and say, Pastor, please read it and give me your opinion about it. Now, if you want to gift me a book, I'll gladly accept it. <laughs> but don't tell me to do a book review. That's why I don't have enough books to read. I mean, some people, like, what am I? I'm in a book review business or something. See, I don't mean this wrong, but, you know, sometimes people are not considerate. They're not thinking about the pastor's time. As he's got all the time in the world to read one book that you want somebody's opinion about. Or marriage, matchmaking. <laughs> Let me tell you up front, we do not run shadi.com. <laughs> you want to find somebody to marry? Please find somebody. But the church does not run shadi.com. 
or whatever. If we find somebody who's suitable for you, we'll probably say, you know, I think that guy is really good for you, that girl is really good for you. I can do that, but don't put the pressure on the pastor. Pastor, you find me a wife. <laughs> Excuse me. I've got other things to do. Number three, help guard your pastor's family. Help guard your pastor's family. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31. Matthew 26 and verse 31. You know, and I want to reiterate again, once again, when I use the word pastor, I'm including all our church staff and all the leaders who are serving you. I want you to, you know, handle them the same way. Matthew 26 and verse 31, Jesus said, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. I will strike the sh shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now just imagine that you are Satan. I'm not saying be Satan. I'm just saying imagine you are Satan. And you want to destroy all people's church. What would you do? You will get your best weapon, aim it real straight, and try to knock the pastor. Because if you can strike the shepherd, you can scatter the sheep. What most people don't realize, you know, or let me put it this way. You know, most people think ministry is so glamorous. You know, he gets to have the mic 15 minutes every Sunday. Man, and all of us have to sit and listen to him. I think ministry is so glamorous. He gets to print books with his name on it and tapes with his name on it. What a glamorous life. They don't realize that those of us on the forefront of ministry, we are prime targets for the enemy. Satan's intent is, let me knock the shepherd, I can destroy his sheep. And pastors and ministers of God, have we go through more intense conflicts than the average believer. Because we're up there. So the, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your pastor I know the greatest gifts that you can give to the ministers who are serving you is to pray for them and their family. Stand guard around them. Put a shield around them through your prayer. It's the greatest gift you can give. Amen. You say, devil, you've got to get that arrow on the pass. You've got to go past me. I'm standing here. And if we have a whole church of people standing around the pastor and the family, standing around the other ministers and the family, I tell you, we're going to have a strong church because our leaders are going to be well protected. And there's nothing the devil can do to strike the shepherd. So help God, your pastor and his family. Pray regularly for your pastor and his family. Pray regularly for other ministers who serve you here. Pray for them regularly. We need it. Number four. How to help your pastor. Respect and work with delegated leadership. Respect and work with delegated leadership. You know, as a pastor, I cannot do everything. I cannot, pass, I cannot do the children's church. I cannot do the, lead the worship. I cannot take care of the study center. I cannot run the Bible college. I cannot do all the cell groups. I cannot do everything. So what do I do? Common sense tells me. I go to appoint others to do it. And that's exactly what we've done. We've got other leaders who've been appointed as leaders of various ministries in the church. And the best thing you can do is to respect those leaders and cooperate and work with them. Tell me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy 5 verse 17. 1 Timothy 5 17. The Bible says here, let the elders, spiritual leaders, who rule well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Let the elders be counted worthy of double honor. 
Give them the respect that is due to them. Amen. So you'll be helping the pastor by respecting the delegated leadership that we have in our church. We have a member care ministry pastor. We've got all people in all kinds of positions of leadership. Our cell leaders, respect them, work with them. If you have a problem to solve, don't bypass the leader of that area of ministry and come straight to the pastor. First talk to the leader of that ministry. Why? Because he's been put in there. And I can tell you, I back up our leaders 100%. 100%. I back each one of those leaders up. I will believe them before I believe you. Take it from me. Amen? The Bible says right here in verse 19, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. So if you accuse any leader in the church, I will not receive it until... I have three witnesses. Amen? Guaranteed. I stand 100% behind every leader we have appointed in the church. And the Bible tells me I cannot accept any accusation against any one of them until we have at least three witnesses to support what you are saying. You are the only one complaining about a leader. Sorry, it will not be received. The Bible tells me not to receive it. Amen? Very quiet. All right, now I know we're not going to hit the highs and lows today. And don't worry, we'll make, make it through. <laughs> so, if you have a problem with any leader, talk to the leader. So, but the leader, pastor, he's not even experienced. Well, give him some experience. <laughs> Amen? If you bypass him, you are robbing him of the very experience that he needs. So, throw the problem at him. Give him some experience. Let him learn how to handle it. You'll be helping him by giving him the problem and discussing the problem with him so that he can get some experience instead of you bypass and come to the pastor. And I say, go back to the leader. Go talk to him. He's in charge. I will respect what decision he makes. Amen? All right, move on. Number five. How to help your pastor. Number five. Flow with the call and vision of the church. Number five, flow with the call and vision of the church. I just want to go over some scriptures very quickly. Amos chapter 3 verse 3, the Bible says, Can two walk together unless they are in agreement? Mark 3.25, a house that is divided against itself will not stand. So we want every person who feels they are part of all people's church to flow with the call and the vision of the church. We must all pull together in the same direction. Amen? We must all flow in the same call. God has a call on us to be salt and light in our city, to be a voice to our nation. He's given us very specific things to do. We're going to do that. And all of us must flow with it. For example, we talk about our cell groups. Oh, Pastor, I don't like cell groups. Excuse me. It's part of what we're doing as a church. Come on, get into it. Get with it. Flow with the call and the vision of the church. Amen? Some of you said amen. Others still thinking about it. All right. Or, you know, let's say kingdom builders. We never planned it, but now we're beginning to realize God is birthing something, birthing a move that is going to impact this nation through us to teach God's people, ministers of God how to be kingdom builders. And as we move forward with it, don't say, Pastor, why, Pastor, are you doing kingdom builders? No. If God's releasing a move and we feel that's, being, that's part of our call, that's part of our vision, let's go with it and we need all of us to back us, move us, move in the same direction. Amen? So we've got to flow with the call and vision of the church. So what do you do? Lay aside personal agendas. See, when we all come to church, we have a preconceived idea of what the church is to be. And you come to all people's church and you say, well, you know, uh, it's going in that direction, but I want to go in this direction. Well, that's your personal agenda. Leave it aside. Begin to flow with the call and vision of the church. Go where the body is going. Please don't date the church. Tell the neighbor, don't date the church. So what is dating the church? You know, it's like, I go to church as long as I get something. You know when you're dating somebody? It's like you're getting something. You feel good. You enjoy the time. You enjoy the company. So you can drink 25 cups of coffee and not be bothered about it. 
And many times people come with that mentality to date the church. Let me go to the church as long as the church can keep me happy. The day the church doesn't make me happy, I say adios. I go to another church. Sorry, don't date the church. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So you got to come to church. What can I give to this church? Not what can I get. You will get. We are going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. We're going to help mature you, bring you to a place of being fully grown in Christ. You'll get all those things. But when you come to church, you've got to come saying, what can I give to the church? Not what can I get. Amen? So don't date the church. Tell a neighbor, don't date the church. Flow with a call and vision of the church. Number six. Flow with the faith and teaching of the church. Flow with the faith and teaching of the church. How to help your pastor. Number six. Flow with the faith and teaching of the church. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, the verse that we read, Paul says, I urge you by the Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that you all be of the same mind and of the same, uh, that you all be together in agreement and of the same judgment. 1 Corinthians 1 and we all must speak the same thing. Flow together with the faith and teaching of the church. Let me say this, and I want to say this as nicely as I can. The statement of faith of all people's church was written before the church began. Secondly, the statement of faith of all people's church is non-negotiable. It's not open for discussion. Case is closed. Amen? Thirdly, before you decide to become a member of all people's church, we expect you to read the statement of faith. Fourthly, once you become a part of all people's church, Please do not make any effort to try to change the statement of faith. Because the statement of faith of this church is non-negotiable. Amen? Our faith and our teaching is not open for discussion. It's not negotiable. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We will teach about praying in tongues. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in divine healing. It's all there in our statement of faith. You can read it in our membership information booklet. You can read it on our websites. This is what we believe and we will not change. We expect every person who is part of the church to be in agreement to the statement of faith. Amen? But if you're not in agreement, then please find a church that teaches what you like. For example, if you don't believe in praying in tongues, we're going to teach it, preach it, get people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and pray in other tongues. Don't try to convince me or convince the church that you can't speak in tongues. First, I believe it. Second, I've done it since the age of 13, so it's a little too late for you to convince me. Amen? It's not open for discussion. Full stop. If you do not believe praying in tongues, go to a church that doesn't believe praying in tongues. Amen? I want to make it loud and clear. Our statement of faith is not open for discussion. So don't try to send me emails, give me books, pass it, read this 100 reasons why you shouldn't speak in tongues. Don't waste your time. Don't waste my time. I will tell you, I will not read it. I will throw it in the garbage. Don't try to tell me, Pastor, that God doesn't heal the sick. Please find a church that doesn't believe in, that believes that God doesn't heal the sick. This church believes that God heals the sick and we will not change. Amen. Don't waste your time here. Go to a church that doesn't believe in healing the sick. But what most people do, they try to sit here and they try to say, I'll pray for the pastor. Maybe he will get a revelation that you cannot speak in tongues. Don't waste your time. I will pray for the pastor. Maybe he will come to change his mind that God doesn't prosper his people. Sorry. We believe God prospers his people. We will preach it. Don't pray for the pastor. Maybe pastor will change that God doesn't. God, you know, sometimes heals and sometimes doesn't. Sorry, we believe that it is the will of God to heal the sick. This is our statement of faith. It's written in black and white in the membership information booklet. If you don't agree with it, please, I urge you, go to another church that believes what you like. 
But if you're part of old people's church, you have to agree with our statement of faith. Amen? It's not open for discussion. So, you know, please don't send me emails. Please don't give me books on why, you know, anything that is not in agreement with our statement of faith. You're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. I will not accept it. Amen? I don't know if I'll see some of you next Sunday. <laughs> but let me just say it straight. You know, if you have personal convictions that are not in agreement with the faith and teaching of the church, you have one of two choices. You either stay quiet and learn and come to an understanding of it, or B, please go and find another church. Don't sit and rot. Why? Because stagnant water breeds disease and disease begins to spread and we do not want any disease in this church. Amen? Take your disease somewhere else. Amen? We don't want anybody sitting and breeding disease here. If you're a part of this church, be in agreement with the faith and teaching. Go for it. Flow with it. If you don't agree, find someone who, who believes like you believe. And first of all, please don't sit down here and start sending emails to other people in the church on why they shouldn't speak in tongues. You're bringing disunity, disorder of the body of Christ. You are doing something absolutely wrong. Go to a church that believes that, believe that you shouldn't speak in tongues. Don't sit here, send emails to other people why you shouldn't speak in tongues, this, that, causing confusion, division in the body of Christ. No, don't do it. We are not compelling anybody to sit here if they don't agree with the statement of faith and the teaching of the church. Amen? Number seven. It's getting more and more intense, isn't it? <laughs> How to help your pastor. Number seven. Become a minister. Tell a neighbor, become a minister. You know, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, the verses that we just read, says that the fivefold offices are given to equip every saint to do the work of the ministry. Amen? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So our desire is to see each one of you become a minister of God. Now, it may take you some time to get there, but we want you to get there. We want you to get to a place where you become a minister of God, where you start serving God in some way, some capacity. Each one of you sitting here have been given gifts and talents and abilities. There is treasure that God has put in you. God has invested things in you which He wants you to use for His kingdom. And we want to see that potential come out. And we want to see you serve God and become a minister of God. It's okay for you to sit on the pew a little while, but once the pew gets out, please jump out of it and start serving. Start doing something in the house of God. Amen? God has a set place for you. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Find your place and carry out your God-appointed function in the body. Find your place and carry out your God-appointed function. Find your place. What did God create you for? And then begin to function. Do it. In the body of Christ. You are a minister of God. At APC, every believer is a minister. Amen. Tell a neighbor, you are a minister. Every believer is a minister. You're not a church member. You are a minister of God. So, we want you to find your place and begin to function. Do something for the body, for the kingdom of God. Do something. Don't just be a church attender. I will not be happy. Our church staff will not be happy in just having you attend the church. I mean, it's good. You've got to start doing it. But then don't stop there. Go on. Become a minister of God. Find your place. Begin to function in the body of Christ. Do something for the sake of the kingdom of God. But as you do that, I want to keep give you some guidelines. First of all, understand that understand the importance of character over gifting. Understand the importance of character over gifting. See, and as church staff, we, 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 we look for character before we can release the gift. You may have the gift, but you need the character that goes along with it. 
So what happens? Let's say you have a certain gift. And we give you a little opportunity to start using the gift. And at the same time, you're watching your character. Does he have, does he have the character? If he has a character, we give you a little bit more room to, to use your gift. And then suppose we, do, we find that maybe the character is not developed yet. We keep you there for a while until you build the character. You overcome some you know, personal habits and overcome some uh, hang-ups and issues and attitudes and attitude problems and all that. And then we kind of lift you up. We're not going to promote you straight from zero level to level 10 on day one. You may have the gift for level 10, but if you do not have the character that can sustain you at that place, we will not take you and we will not allow you to get there. Because for us, character is more important than gifting. And you need the character that can sustain you, that can keep you secure once you're on level 10. Otherwise, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt a lot of other people. Amen? Another important thing. Guideline. Manifest your ministry first and then let people recognize your calling. Manifest your ministry first and then let people recognize your calling. You know, let's, for example, if you're called to be um, a prophet or you're called to be a pastor, you're called to be evangelist, you're called to be a worship leader, whatever you're called to be, first manifest the ministry for about two or three years. Let people see that ministry coming out of your life and then let them say he or she is a prophet or he or she is a pastor. I mean, just think how ridiculous it would be if I went around saying I'm a pastor and I'm a pastor and I'm a pastor and I didn't, I was not pastoring a church. That would be ridiculous. But we have lots of people, they go around saying, I'm called to be something. And there's no ministry manifesting. All it is is a title. So first, manifest your ministry consistently for at least two or three years. Then people recognize it and people will start calling you. For what you've manifested. Are you all understanding me? Yes or no? Let people recognize your calling. Your job is to manifest the ministry. Don't go around telling people, I am this, I am that, I am that. No. Just manifest your ministry. People recognize it, and then they'll recognize your calling. In the same light, don't push yourself into the forefront. Wait to be invited. Don't push yourself into the way to be invited. You know, when Jesus said, when you go to a big feast, sit in the last seat and let the host of the feast come and say to you, please come up forward. That is more honorable. Amen? He didn't say, go sit in the first seat and tell them, look, I'm arrived, you know. He said, you sit in the last seat, let them come and welcome you. So let's, for example, let's say uh, you've got a wonderful, you know, wonderful voice and you've got a great ability to play some instrument or something. Just an example. Don't go to Pastor Ajit and say, Pastor, I can play the guitar better than you. I can sing better than you. I want to lead worship next Sunday. Please don't do that. What do you do? Go and say, you know, Pastor Ajit, you know, uh, God has given me the ability to play guitar, I have, I have a voice that I can use. If you'd like to use me, please use me. So he'll call you for audition, check out your voice, check out how you play. If he's happy with it, he'll say, okay, come for practice, three months. One month, okay, sorry, they've reduced this. <laughs> reduced come for a month for practice regularly. He'll watch you for some and then he'll put you up on stage. And for sure, I can guarantee you, he will not let you lead worship the first time you're up on stage. Amen, Ajit? <laughs> Why? He's going to wait. He's going to see what you do. Are you faithful? How are you using gifting? And then he'll bring you in front at the right time if that's what he feels is, is, is right to do. But the moment you push yourself in front, you know what we're going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to push you back. The moment you try to push yourself in front, take it from me. We've all been trained to push you back. <laughs> because we do not want to promote self. Very clear. Amen. Make yourself available. Don't push yourself in front. Wait, till you're, wait to be invited. Number eight. We're getting ready to close. Planes are about to land. But keep your seatbelts fastened. 
Number eight, demonstrate commitments. Everybody say commitment. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul tells Timothy, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Faithful men who, who are able. Faithfulness precedes ability. Faithfulness is more important than ability. And what we're looking for is for faithful people. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings. A faithful person will abound with blessings. So demonstrate commitment. You know, when you take up a responsibility, please make sure you're faithful at it. Example, let's say, you know, you come and say, uh, Pastor, you know, I'll make sure I come every, every Sunday morning at 10.30 and clean up this place before the service starts. Let's say you, you, you volunteer to do that. Please make sure you do that every Sunday. Be committed to it. Be faithful in it. Don't do it for three Sundays and then suddenly disappear. They're wondering like, where is Raju? He said he's coming here at 10.30. What happened to him? And he disappeared. Now we've got to find somebody to fill his spot. Find somebody else. He said, but I'm volunteering. I'm not paid. Yes, you're volunteering, but be a faithful volunteer. Be a committed volunteer. A faithful person is somebody who's dependable. We know he's going to be at his post. You don't have to go looking for him. Where is he? Now, I understand that, you know, sometimes sir, uh, some things come up that, that, uh, uh, that are unexpected. Yes, but then just call and let, let, let your leader know. Say, say, you know, today something happened, so I won't be there. But next Sunday, I will be there. We need committed people. Amen? Demonstrate commitment in the house of God. Enjoy what you do. Now, the worst thing we can have is somebody doing it all grudgingly. Ah, clean the place up. Please, if you don't enjoy it, don't do it. Enjoy what you do. And most important, do it to the Lord, not for the pastor. Amen? You're not doing it anything for us just sake. You're doing it for the Lord. Amen? Don't do it for the sake of the pastor. Do it as unto the Lord. Jesus, I'm doing this for you. Number nine. Last two points are small, easy. So just hold on. Number nine, pursue excellence. Pursue excellence. Whatever you do, do it with all you've got. Do your best. You know, but sometimes we think, well, you know, after all, it's I'm volunteering. After all, it's for the ministry. Talegaya. Whatever comes we give, we do, we do half-hearted work. No, 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 no. We do not want anybody to do a half-hearted work. When you're doing something for God, when doing something in the house of the Lord, put your heart into it. Pursue excellence. Do it to the best of your God-given ability. God is worthy of the very best you have. God is worthy of the cream. Amen? So give God your best. Pursue excellence. Do it well. And lastly, be a kingdom builder. That means this is not about all people's church. It's about the kingdom of God. You are not doing this for all people's church. You may be a part of the local church, but you're doing it for the king of kings. And you're doing it to build his kingdom. So look beyond the name, all people's church is just a name. I can guarantee you, guarantee you that there is no all people's church in heaven. Amen? You can search on every street and every aisle, you won't find all people's church. It's only the kingdom of God. So be kingdom minded. You're a kingdom builder. Don't be afraid to fellowship with people from other churches. Promote unity among with other churches and other other believers and other ministers of God don't do anything to, you know, promote and exalt all people's church. No, 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 no. We are here for the kingdom of God. To promote the kingdom of God. You're not here to promote APC. Lay selfishness and self-centeredness aside. Glorify Christ at all times. Be a kingdom builder. Look, think always in terms of the kingdom of God. What can I do to build the kingdom of God? What can I do to work across churches and ministries? 
so that Christ can be glorified in our city. Be a kingdom builder. Amen. Ten things to, that you can do to help your pastor. Let's stand up to our feet. The doors will be open shortly. <laughs> I hope to see you all next Sunday. <laughs> I've told you the truth. The choice is yours. You have the freedom to choose. Next Sunday, APC or no APC, the decision is yours. Amen? God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. And we want to honor you, God, above all things. And we want to glorify Jesus. Father, I just pray for the empowering work of your Holy Spirit. To be upon each one of us present here this morning. That, God, we will do what we have heard. That you will align us, Father, to your plan and your purpose. And use each one of us for your glory. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pronounce your word upon your people, declaring, God, that according to your word, we are like trees planted by rivers of water. We will bring forth our fruit in its season. Our leaf will not wither, and whatever we do will prosper. That according to your word, we are blessed coming in. And bless going.